Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening in to Wise Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Wendy Grace, and today's wonderful guest is Lori Anderson, president of the International Sign Association. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, Wendy. It's great to be here. Lori, we just finished up our um, ISA in Atlanta. Before we dive in, how did that go? It was phenomenal. It was so good to be back in person again, and it felt more like a reunion than anything else, but uh, exhibitors were thrilled. Attendees were there ready to buy, and it was just an extraordinarily exhilarating event because it was so nice to be with people again. Absolutely. I agree. There's nothing like that face-to-face that we've all missed for so long. So we're just going to backtrack a little bit. So those of um, us that don't really know you, tell us a little bit about Lori outside of the sign world. Hobbies, family, what, what do you like to do? Well, I have a few things I love to do, and I do them a lot. And uh, one is read. Um, I'm a voracious reader. Last year, I think I read 92 books. And I listen to them, and I read them on my Kindle or hard hardback um, paper books. Um, and that covers pretty much every genre um, and love to read. And it's my getaway. I also love to cook and I listen to books while I'm cooking. So I combine two different hobbies at the same time. The working from home has been uh, a great because I'm able to start things early and have a wonderful dinner every night. And uh, so I love to do that. And then I also love to do yoga and exercise. Great. Yeah, that's great when you can put one or two hobbies together. That likelihood of your doing them is going to be pretty high. <laughs> that's right. And as far as family goes, uh, my uh, my husband, he's in the uh, a consultant in the AV industry. He's an AV engineer. And my two kids, kids, sort of adults, um, they are, I have a daughter who's um, in her late 20s and she's in marketing also with an association in Washington, D.C. And I have a son who is getting his master's right now at the University of Maryland in all in uh, in a new field that is likely surprising to most people, cannabis therapeutics. Oh, interesting. Yes. So it's a first, it was the first master program in cannabis therapeutics in the country. And he is currently uh, just finishing his first year of the master's program. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations to him. And he said a, a new field that's coming off of that, I'm sure. So let's talk about a little bit about your current role um, with the International Sign Association and um, how you evolved into signs and then becoming the president. What did that look like? Well, my very first job out of college, I was a music teacher. And so it's such a natural transition. (laughs) Right. Teaching music in a Native American reservation in North Dakota and now being the CEO of the International Sign Association, just like this, Mm -hmm. easy peasy. Um, I was a teacher for five years and realized I didn't really want to teach anymore. And I've always had a love of politics. I grew up with it talking around the dinner table and I somehow managed to convince a member of Congress to hire a former music teacher as a legislative aide, which I did for a couple of years. And uh, these people would come in and lobby me. And I said, I can do that. So I ended up with an association in a lobbying role 
for quite a few years. And when I realized I wanted to do something else in the association community, it just happened to be a recruiter called me about this position. And my first response was, there's an association for signs. And I ended up, of course, uh, meeting the search committee and I'm falling in love with the industry. And I've never looked back. It's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful tenure. This is my 18th year with the association. Wow, that is amazing. And it's really, um, I think it goes to what a lot of people experience. They luck up into finding signs and then love them and stay with them forever. Uh, exactly right. I tell people that all the time. Once you get in the industry, you find it really hard to leave because the people are so nice. They're genuine and it's creative. It's and they're just wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And now through the, um, from joining and taking over, like you said, this is your 18th year. What have you seen some of the trends or just changes? And, you know, with anything, there's the good and the bad. What have you experienced as your um, leadership in this association? You know, I, I can get rather philosophical with questions like this because in reality, everything's changing all the time. Um, and it's uh, nothing is permanent. And so nothing is permanent, including an industry or events or all the programs and services that we offer as uh, an association. Uh, there, there are some key things that are affecting the industry right now that has really changed the face of the industry and that's the worker shortage. That certainly was not the case um, even a few years ago. The supply chain crisis that we're in um, is a new phenomena, of course. Um, and you obviously have to say technology, no matter what, no matter what industry you're in, technology has uh, accelerated and the pace of that change is, is affecting your workforce. It changes how you need to train them. It changes how you need to uh, purchase them. Everything to do with the industry is shaped by technology and the life all around us. But there are other things that have been subtly noticed as changing over time. Thinking about our prominent event, ISA Sign Expo, you can watch over time, faces are different. We are slowly but surely reflecting the diversity of the country in the world. I noticed that in Atlanta in, um, in May, is that the faces were changing. And that's uh, a wonderful thing to see. And I'm hoping that we are viewed as a welcoming industry for all. Um, and that is great to see. There's also more women in leadership roles and leadership positions. And that, that acceleration uh, is healthy for the industry. And it's extremely important when you consider our workforce shortage. We need to be a welcoming industry for all. Absolutely, I agree. And I know that I had heard a statistic during COVID that it will take a hundred years for women to be at the same amount of employment opportunities that they were pre-COVID because of having to leave jobs for daycare and everything else. So like you said, you know, the sign industry is very welcoming with a lot of great potential for women. So hopefully we can be one of those associations and trades that really welcome everyone back. 
Definitely. So let's talk about the women leading industry um, event. I was um, at the event in May and it was wonderful. Love the speaker and all of the panelists as well that was up there. Um, what was your takeaway maybe from that particular event um, from this most recent expo? Well, you know, it's so hard to pick a topic for an audience that is as broad as the industry itself. You have newcomers to the industry. You have folks who've been in it a long time. You may have entry-level folks or executives in the room. And the topic we selected for this particular event, it was a nice, a big room full of a lot of wonderful women, but also men came, which was nice. And I think that's important to note. The first few times that we did women events or focused events, men weren't there in the present. And I was so pleased to see a number of men attend because we all need to be together in supporting each other and for men to understand the the role women have and how we feel in the industry is just as important. You end up talking to the choir, saying to the choir, if it's just women in the room. So I was very pleased with that. The topic we selected was imposter syndrome, which was an interesting one. You know, that imposter syndrome is that feeling that people get when, or that voice in your head that tells you, you don't belong here, or you're not good enough, or you're not smart enough to live up to whatever situation you're in. Now, men and women suffer this imposter syndrome together, but women deal with it more and for many different reasons. And it came to me, it just hit me in the face during the show when I attended the Women in Signs Award ceremony that was given by Signs of the Times magazine. And I'm so grateful that they had that award. After decades of growing and building and successfully achieving a wonderful company, a prominent sign company, uh, um, what was her name? Bobby Baker. Bobby Baker with Baker Signs said that she finally feels seen. And that just hit me, just hit me in the gut. Because still to this day, and I bet you've experienced it, I know I have, I can walk into a meeting or a trade show booth, and the men in the room assume that the man is the boss, and assume the man is the leader. And it's going to take a while to overcome that. And that's what fuels a lot of the imposter syndrome is you just get this impression that you're not viewed the same way. And it is changing. It's getting better, but it still exists. I know of women who walked into booths even this last year, and they have made, they may have been the owner of the company, but they were with their uh, purchasing manager who happens to be male and the uh, salesperson addresses the male in the room as the leader of the two. And it's gonna take time to overcome that, educating folks, this unconscious bias that we all feel, and we all, we all have it. 
And I know I've done it. And I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I've done the same dang thing. And I get angry at myself. Like, how can I do that? It's just, we're so ingrained from the moment we're born as to a stereotype and a role. And it's going to take a little bit more time to overcome that. But it was a so positive being in a room together with other women who feel that same way and have ideas of how to cope with the situations like that and others. And that's what's invigorating, invigorating about the one, women leading the industry event is you come together and, and there's a it's cathartic experience. You can talk about strategies and how to cope. And then you have a you have a a, a shared experience that you may not have with others. So that's one of the one of the big takeaways. Absolutely. And I agreed. I remember when you said that from the front, mentioning that, and then listening to um, Alexia, who is, you know, the author of Step Into Your Moxie, talking about the voices. And there were men, and there was one at my table. And he was actually, I heard him at different points pause and say, hmm, as if maybe he had never heard uh, perspective. Um, but one of the things that the ladies at my table and he shared is that th their company is about 50% women. So that was an amazing thing. And you could tell he was very proud of that. But when you mentioned um, the one thing that kind of hit you and your gut, you had said, um, is it real or is it truth? And when you said that from the front, that kind of made me go, huh. So could you kind of just tell us a little bit about what that statement is? Yeah, I say that a lot with my team because um, it, it goes way beyond this imposter syndrome. It, it, um, it, it, you can jump up this, you've heard of something called the ladder of inference. When someone says something to you or you see someone doing something you can jump up and assume. Mm -hmm. And when you jump up and assume, a lot of unattended consequences can happen because you're you're putting ideas in someone else's head like it's happening. And I use, is it real or is it the truth? Because you may feel something. Let's take the imposter syndrome. I, fe I may feel that, I am being looked down upon because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And then the voices start telling me that I'm not good enough to be in the room. And that feeling is real. You should never, you should never deny anyone their feelings. You can't. Your feelings are your feelings. But you can have to dig into it to see if it actually is true. And to empower you as a, as a woman experiencing that in the moment is to ask some pointed questions, be confident in yourself to dig a little deeper with whoever you're with to see if they intended that remark to make you feel that way. And I, I use that expression often because if someone comes to me and says, I, I'm really angry because this person did this and I've and now I feel awful. All right. You feel awful. Let's just think about that for a minute. Right. But are you sure that person intended it to be that way? And 
I've started asking myself that a lot. I've, I should not deny myself how I feel, but to really sit with it and explore, is it the truth of what is happening? You can um, stop some unattended consequences or jumping up that ladder of inference quicker. If you just give yourself a, a pause, the, a sacred pause to say, I cannot deny how I feel. This is how I feel about the situation, but let's dig into the truth of the matter. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Nikki B, she um, helps with the breaking barriers and um, she's launching a podcast with them. And I had the privilege of interviewing with her recently and we actually discussed this exact topic. And I said, you know, you were a music teacher. I was an x-ray tech before joining the sign industry only eight years ago. So I still feel myself as a real newbie. And I didn't really call it the imposter syndrome until I went to the women leading event because I thought, yeah, you know, you feel inadequate at some point, but now it has a word. And now I know what that word is. And like you said, we can start to talk ourselves out of that negative talk. And while we don't always know everything, as long as we're willing to grow, but to let that negative talk take up that extra space is just unfair to all women and men, as you mentioned. Um, it can just, take up so much real estate in your brain that it almost starts overcrowding any other positive things going on. And just that sacred pause for a second and asking yourself that question and really digging in. Because sometimes women start saying, I shouldn't feel that way. Stop feeling that way. And then you get in a bigger spiral, don't you? Because now you're beating yourself up for the way you feel. Well, you can't, that's impossible. You feel the way you feel. So just give you, cut yourself a break. Let yourself be angry or disappointed or ashamed or whatever the word is, right? Just let yourself feel that and then take the next step of discovering what the truth is. Absolutely. So let's shift gears a little bit and just talk about the growth of the signage industry. Um, and we, at the intro, talked about a little, um, not a little, a lot of our obstacles currently, right, with our working um, employment issues and the supply chain. So clearly those are some obstacles that as the industry, we're going to kind of have to continue to battle with. Um, anything else that you think is a potential challenge for us? And then any positivity that you're hearing and seeing that might be coming down the road for our industry as a whole? Well, all challenges eventually lead to a positive something, right? <laughs> something is going to switch as a result. And whether it's your mindset change or a technology change or anything in between. The workforce and supply chain issues are so overwhelming right now for the industry. I have a hard time reaching sign companies because they're too busy to take calls. I, I, I talked to one the other day who uh, hasn't taken a vacation in seven years and is working seven days a week. And this is just not sustainable because they can't find workers and the ones they have, they have um, health challenges or life challenges that everyone goes through at some point. And it's just not sustainable. And it, it is not a one industry problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we as an association have had 
struggles finding workers. And I know my colleagues and other associations are, are suffering the same thing. And so it is can be really overwhelming and exacerbated by the supply chain issues. And now you have these global worries. You have wars in other parts of the world that is harming our supply chain, not to mention all the things going on with the pandemic. And, and it's, it's really just overwhelming. We are going to, as an industry, be have to be more creative, have to figure out how to do it, do things with less or do things differently with the people we have. This could mean more automation. I remember not very many years ago, people say, oh, the sign industry can never be automated. It's too customized. Well, I'm not so sure about that anymore. And I know of some companies that are using automation and robotics in creative ways that they hadn't been using it before. So I think that's going to grow. This industry is extraordinarily creative. Extraordinary. I mean, many people come from a design background and then they start a, a sign company. And so that, that natural creativity is in them. I think it'll be figured out. They're, we'll, we'll figure out how to buy new products, use existing products in different ways to solve our problems. And I just think that the ingenuity that's inherent in this industry is uh, going to continue. You just can't tamp the, tampen that down uh, and the future will indeed be bright. Right now, it's really a slog getting through, but there's going to be some interesting solutions coming out of it, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, not everything. It is, it can be rough and it can be challenging, you know, no matter what size. Um, there's a lot of ladies. I actually just took a poll in our private Facebook group and um, on the challenges and the number one currently reigning challenge is lack of employees and wearing too many hats. Um, and then it kind of started to taper and included, you know, supplies and maybe ownership not being engaged. So it is one of those things that we're going to just have to buckle down and work together as much as we can. And uh, maybe even utilizing each other's services you know, if you don't have something partnering with someone else, because like you said, we're going to have to be creative in order to really pull through this. Definitely. And um, so we had touched on the women leading industry event. And since you have been at the 18th year, you've seen a lot of transition with women in leadership. What would you say is one of the things you're most proud of that you've noticed over your tenure in women? I remember distinctly meeting a, uh, a woman who owned a sign company and suggesting this would have been probably 10 years ago or so, uh, clearly super smart, just really engaged, uh, said, I'd like to get you more involved in ISA. I'd like to get you more involved and like, how, let's get you on a committee that would be of interest or perhaps interested in in putting your name your hat in the in a hat for a board seat and her reply talk about knock me in the gut she said oh I'm going to suggest my husband does that because you know it gets to hang with the boys hmm. and I said to myself self we have we have some problems inherent if you're not welcoming to a, a woman who owns a sign company because it's believed, it, the belief is and the 
perception is we're only a boys club. And um, it's not easily fixed. I mean, we now have three steering committees that feed up that, um, well, anyone can certainly be a candidate for the board, but a number of candidates come from our three leadership group, our three steering committees. We have more women on them than ever before. In the 75 year history of the organization, there's only been one woman who chairs, chaired the board of directors. We now have three women. Um, next year, there'll be three women on the executive committee. So that's three years in a row of the, that chair being a woman. And but but here's the deal. Um, there was some jesting, very you know, meant well. Oh, three years of like, what does that what does that mean to have three years and the and that one man who of the four people on the executive committee? What what does that mean for him? And I said, you know what, folks? How about we not joke about this? If we do not draw attention to that to the reality of three women serving on executive committee, it will be commonplace. It'll be assumed this is fine. The less attention we draw to the fact that there's now three women, which doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we should celebrate it, mm -hmm. but we do not need to highlight it in a way that's jesting at all, because that's the future of our workforce. It's a future, of the country that all people, all colors, all ethnicities um, will be in leadership positions and let's celebrate that and not focus on it. Um, I am, I'm very proud of the fact that we have a pipeline now. 10 years ago, we did not have that pipeline of extraordinarily talented individuals, including women and people of color who are serving in leadership roles in the um, ISA. And that is, uh, I hope will continue long after I um, um, have retired and have left the organization. Absolutely. And a really good conversation recently, someone said there would be hope that eventually we won't have to have women in signs awards or things that separate because it will just be so prevalent that it won't have to have its own category. And so it's interesting, like you said, if we don't give it so much focus sometimes and let things grow organically and naturally, then it can take off and it won't be front of mind. Um, but right now we have to have that special category to really showcase these amazing women in our business. Yeah, it's the celebrate versus drawing attention to it, I think is important to note. Like, let's let's honor that this may be the first, but celebrate the fact it won't be the last. Absolutely. And so um, in wrapping, for before we start, our favorite, one of my favorite parts is um, the rapid fire questions. Um, just for any listener who maybe is not a part of the International Sign Association, um, maybe why should they become members? And then how would they become a member if they wanted to? Associations exist for helping do what one company cannot. Uh, so imagine sign codes or 
legislation on Capitol Hill or education for the entire your entire workforce certification or uh, standards or a host of things that one company cannot do on its own. And that's the sweet spot for associations. And, and so to be a part of ISA, you have access to getting better sign codes, being able to pull permits better, achieving a variance that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to find for your um, sign project, for having access to education so you can train those new folks that are coming into your company that haven't been in the sign industry before. We have some 80 plus uh, courses online to help companies train their workforce. We are constantly providing advice to companies on permitting and advocacy and sign codes. We just achieved a victory in the US Supreme Court on a key sign case that we were instrumental in, in writing an amicus brief to the court. And that brief was actually cited in oral arguments before the court. Wow. One sign company can never do all that. One sign company can't bring in three to 400 suppliers in an event so you can see all technology in one place. That's what associations bring to the table. And we bring that voice collectively unifying the industry. And one sign company can't do that. Two can't, 10 can't. It takes hundreds and thousands of companies together collectively to achieve that. And that's the importance of being part of an association. How do you join? You can join if you're a national sign company or consider yourself a, a serving national clients, you can join ISA directly. If you're a local custom sign company or installer, we urge you to join ISA through your local affiliate. All of this is on the ISA website, science.org. You can join the local state or multi-state organization, or um, we have uh, Canada is also part of our affiliate. You can explore on our website, find the local affiliate, and you can join through that. You join your affiliate, you're automatically a member of the ISA. And so there's a number of ways you can join and uh, the benefits far surpass it. Your wildest dreams, um, just the advocacy support you get alone um, pays, uh, well, exponentially more than your dues. Right. And it is definitely a great, um, you know, I have been able to attend the ISA for many years. And like you said, no other place would I be able to get that much technology, that many vendor um, relationships. And for me personally now over the years, meeting vendors face to face that are in different parts of the country that I would never do. It just kind of full circles that relationship. So um, yes, if anyone isn't a part and wants more information, Lori was able to provide that, definitely go and check them out. And they have um, support staff that I'm sure can answer any questions. So uh, yeah, when you go on the website, you can just click on if you do have a question, it's membership at science.org. If you have an email, you want to answer a question, membership at science.org or info at science.org. Either, either email address will get you to somebody who will answer your question. All right. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate it. So now we're just going to do our fun rapid fire questions that I let Lori know um, just before we went on. So the first one was, tell me about your morning routine during the week. Are you a Habits by nature, do you do the same thing or do you wake up early? What does your morning look like? 
I am a bit of a morning person. My husband stays away from me because I get my coffee and I am rare to go. Um, about two o'clock in the afternoon is a little bit of a twilight zone for me to start fading. <laughs> but I get up early. I work out pretty much every day of the week. I do, I have a, a Peloton. I either do yoga, biking, weight training, uh, a lot of things. Um, and um, I'm addicted to it. And I, I have done yoga for about 15, no, about 18 years. I think I started it when I, I started at ISA and uh, absolutely love it. So that's what I do in the morning. I Then I make my coffee. And then the second important thing I do every morning is meditate. I meditate between 10 and 20 minutes every day. I have a book called The Daily, I think it's Daily Awakenings, which is just a, a daily something just to get me grounded and um, grounded in intention. And then I meditate and then I'm off to the races. Well, we have something in common. The commonness is I have a Peloton. I'm just not obsessed with it. I wish I was. I do love it. It is so much fun. I just need the dedication that it sounds like you have. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I didn't think I would like it, quite honestly, because my husband wanted it. Like, I'm not really into bikes. And now every day, I'm, I, I had either walked or yoga every day anyway, but now I add in the Peloton, the Peloton in the mix because I like variety. So I do a little bit of everything. Absolutely. I, I understand that. And then what would, I don't know if we had said either you were going to share your favorite getaway destination or one you would like to go to. What did you decide? Well, I accomplished both of those last summer when um, I could now become an ambassador for the tourism department of Iceland. Last year in the middle of all the hellishness we were all in i see a cnn headline pop up on my screen that said iceland had now opened up back opened the company opened the country back up to tourists if you're vaccinated and i ran upstairs to my husband in the office and i went we're going <laughs> that's it we're going and so uh, we booked a two week vacation with me and our in our and our two adult kids stayed in Airbnbs the whole country. We we climbed glaciers, we hiked mountains, we went on boats, we did we we bonded with puffins. It was it is surreal. The people are lovely. It's an, it's the you feel like you're on the moon at times. Uh, it was July, so it was almost light 24 hours a day and then and we don't like heat in our family we're both originally from northern climes and so it, it i think the warmest it ever got was like 60 we were in heaven and for <laughs> two weeks it was the most wonderful and it just came off of the year of year from hell and it was just wonderful to be in this amazing geographic it's just like nothing you have never, ever experienced before. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So that is your recommendation, right? We need to all go check out. I'd be happy to share the itinerary with, <laughs> right. with folks. You go and you explore Viking stuff. 
it, and uh, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. And I think that's my thing personally with travel. Just sometimes you see things, um, you know, either in the United States or abroad. And until you actually see them and you're standing there, it's it's almost like this awe that happens, you know, and it just kind of reconnects you and gets you centered and find another day. Land of fire and ice. I cannot speak more highly. Most of the time when we travel, we say, oh yeah, we'd go back there. We'd go back there. And then we never do because the world is so big. Yes. But this one, we're going to go back. It is just incredible, incredible place to visit. Absolutely. So if anyone needs um, itinerary or places to sh uh, to stop while uh, vacationing there, definitely reach out to you then. <laughs> Happy to share. So I want to thank you again so much, Lori, for being a part of the Wise Wednesday podcast. And thank you um, for everything that you do um, for the women and beyond for our industry. We um, appreciate you and know that we are in great hands with your leadership. So again, we just thank you for being on. Well, thank you, Wendy, for doing this, your leadership and putting this together, envisioning it, making it come true. Well done. Thank you very much. Next time, everyone, look forward to another episode of Wise Wednesdays.